Well, good morning, and thank you for uh, having me and my family uh, as a part of your service. Um, I guess right now uh, the children are dismissed for Sunday school, so that's uh, the first part of my job this morning. Um, as Adam mentioned, uh, I graduated from Moody Bible Institute uh, back in uh, 2003. I've been in full-time ministry for about 10 years, and uh, I'm the pastor up at Harvest Community Church uh, in Oak Creek, and I'm glad to come and uh, give Pastor Rhodes a, a Sunday off to be with his family, and uh, excited to share the word with you this morning. Well, if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up to Second Timothy uh, chapter 1. We're going to read a few verses, but we're really going to focus in on verse 7, 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we'll start reading together in verse 3, and we'll read through verse 7. It says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you continually in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Would you please pray with me? Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word that you have given to us. We just ask that as we uh, look into it today, God, that we would be challenged and changed by it. That we would uh, go forth uh, today encouraged and emboldened in our faith because of our encounter with you today in your word. We just ask, God, that uh, you would uh, use me to get your message, your word, to these, your people uh, this morning. May you use your word powerfully in the lives and in the midst of this body. We commit this to you now in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Well, uh, my wife and I uh, just moved into uh, our home in April. And in our living room is a fireplace. And we had never had a fireplace before in any of the homes we lived in. And we were very excited about our fireplace. And so far, since April, since we have moved in, we have used our fireplace a grand total of zero times. And it sits there, and it looks good, and it looks nice, but it is not functioning or in use. Well, at Christmas, we received a gift of fire starter matches. And uh, they're big matches that burn for like 10 minutes. So now I have a fireplace, and now I have fire starting matches. And yesterday, we stopped at Menards, and I bought crackle logs to put into our fireplace. So now I have a fireplace, crackle logs, and fire-starting matches. So I am all set to have a fire in my house, of which we can warm our hands, and maybe roast a marshmallow, and have my dog lay in front, and have a very picturesque evening with a fire. I have everything I need to start this fire in our fireplace. But until I actually put the crackle log in the fireplace and light that match, those things are of no good to me. They're of no use just sitting in my garage waiting to be used. 
we as believers have been given a great gift in the Holy Spirit. And so often we just stand by and let that Spirit just sit there. And we don't engage Him and let Him work in great and powerful ways in our lives because of one simple reason. That is fear. So as we take a look at this passage today out of 1 Timothy Paul is challenging his spiritual son, Timothy. Don't let fear render you useless for the cause of the gospel. Timothy uh, was the pastor of a church in Ephesus, a very hard and difficult place to do ministry. And as we can tell by the number of uh, the book, 2 Timothy, this is the second letter that uh, Paul had written to Timothy. And he had been ministering in this place, uh, in this town, to these people for a while. And it seems to me as Timothy has started to become discouraged in his ministry. The, the challenges and the toils and the failures that can come in doing ministry have started to mount and to take a toll on the spirit that is within Timothy. And he has grown discouraged and faint of heart. So Timothy's spiritual father, Paul, is writing to him to encourage him, to re-engage him in fulfilling the call that has been put into his life. In verse 6, he, he challenges Timothy to fan into flame the gift of that God had given to him. Well, what is that gift? What is the gift that God has given to Timothy and to all of us as believers? Well, he says in verse 7 here, For God has given us a spirit. So any believer, anyone who calls themselves a Christian and follows after Christ and has surrendered their life to them, to Christ, has been given a great gift, the Holy Spirit. And Paul is telling Timothy, hey, live in the Spirit. Let the Spirit function in your life. The Spirit has been given by Christ. John 16, 7 says, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So, Jesus Christ, as he went back into heaven, after his death, burial, and resurrection, he just not, did not abandon his people. But he sent the Holy Spirit into our lives. What a great and wonderful gift that we have been given. It says, for God has given us a spirit, not of fear. So Timothy here is being reminded, this fear that you have in your ministry does not come from the Holy Spirit. It is not of God. The word fear here is rendered in some, uh, some versions as uh, timidity or as cowardice. The idea of lacking in courage, lacking boldness, or lacking determination. 
Fear can keep us from experiencing and accomplishing great things for the Lord. We know that God has called us to be a bold witness and testimony for Him. The reason that we come together and and work as a church together is to go and to expand his kingdom for you here in Racine. To see those that are lost and apart from God come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But that can be a very scary and intimidating thing for us to do. To uh, go to Piggly Wiggly. And to encounter our checkout person with the gospel. To go out for dinner at Denny's and to engage our waitress in conversation for the Lord. To talk to our neighbor, to talk to our coworkers, to maybe even engage those lost members of our family in conversation of Jesus Christ. That can be a very scary and intimidating thing for us to do. And the fear that comes with that so often paralyzes us from accomplishing the good things that God has prepared in advance for us to do. But what we know and what Paul is reminding Timothy is that that fear that he is talking about us, that fear does not come from him. When we look at Scripture, we know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And that is not the same idea here that he's talking about. The fear of the Lord, uh, giving him the proper uh, respect that is due him. The honor and awe of God. This is not the same fear that we're talking about here. But this fear is what is going to keep us from accomplishing the work of the gospel. The same idea of fear here is seen in Matthew 25, the parable of the servants who have been given talents. Do you remember that parable Uh, where Christ tells a story about a master who gives talents to three of his workers? And one worker uh, takes his talents and he invests them and brings back double what he has been giving. The same thing for the second worker, but the third worker who was given a talent for his master, takes that and he buries it in the ground. And Matthew 25, 25 says, I was afraid and hid the talent in the ground. May we not be like that servant who was fearful and hid that talent in the ground. But may we be like the other servants who took those talents that were given to them and used them to expand them for the sake of his master. We have all been entrusted with talents, gifts that the Spirit has given to us. Every person, every believer, has been entrusted with a spiritual gift. What gift have you been entrusted with? And are you using that gift for the kingdom of Jesus Christ? Or are we afraid to step out in faith to see how God can use us? So what do we fear? Maybe we we fear rejection. Maybe we fear pain or embarrassment. Maybe we fear failure. 
And it is these fears that keep us from being used in the fullness of way that we would encounter the lost people that are in our lives for Jesus Christ. So we know that this fear is not given to us by God. If this fear is in our life, then where does that fear come from? If it doesn't come from Christ, then it comes from this world. It comes from the enemy. And we should have nothing in our life to do with the enemy. Why would we embrace something that has been given to us from the enemy? So this fear that we have to encounter our community for Christ, let us have nothing to do with it. Let us reject it. Let us have that fear be as far from us as we can so that we can embrace what has been given to us by God, and that is the Spirit and the power that comes from Him. So we have not been given a spirit of fear, but what have we then been given from the Spirit? We've been given three things. The first thing that we have been given is power. Luke 24, 49 says, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. For we have not been given the spirit of fear, but of power. That's a pretty incredible thing, isn't it? We have been given the power to do the work of the Lord. The idea of power here is of courage and, resol- and resolution to encounter difficulties and danger. It is the idea of might and strength. Not of physical might and strength. Not of bulging biceps and rippling triceps. But of power and strength to be bold. To accomplish the things that have been put in front of us. We, for Christmas this year, bought uh, Caleb, our son, a, a robot. And it called for 4D batteries and three AAA batteries. And if we just let that robot stand there, without putting the batteries in it, without giving it power, what good is it? Maybe good for a paperweight, Maybe good for a conversation starter. But if we're going to see that robot walk around and dance and give high fives, that robot needs to be given power. And God knew that we as believers, we needed power to accomplish the things that he has for us to do. So he was faithful to us and he gave us that power through the Holy Spirit. We have been given the courage and resolution, the might and the strength to encounter the community that we are in for the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are things that we want to do, things that we want to accomplish. And some of those things we can do on our own. But scripture tells us that when we do things for our own 
recognition, in our own power and strength, what are those before God? They are but like filthy rags. So as we live our lives and as we pursue after Christ, let's not ask, what can I accomplish in my own power and strength? What can I do in my own ability for the Lord? But let's ask, what can we accomplish when we rely on the Holy Spirit to encounter the lost of Jesus Christ, to disciple and to encourage those that are around us? And as I look through this sanctuary this morning and I see young and old, people who are dedicated and following after Jesus Christ. And as I drove through the city of Racine this morning to come and to worship with you this morning, there are people who are lost and hurting that need Jesus Christ. And I know that if the people of this church live according to the Spirit and let the power that the Spirit has in your life live and flow through you, this church can encounter Racine and do great and mighty and powerful things. But the enemy doesn't want to see that. The enemy doesn't want you to engage the power of the Spirit. He wants to keep you fearful. He wants to keep you locked in this building. He wants to keep you in comfortable relationships that you have. But let us not be content with just being in this building with just who is here. But let's let the power of the Holy Spirit live and work in us so that we can see God do a great and mighty work in this community. God has given us the power through his Spirit to do great, mighty, and awesome things. Let us live by faith to see those things accomplished. So we have been given the spirit of power. The second thing that the spirit gives to us is love. For we have not been given the spirit of fear, but of power and of love. The word love here is is agape love. It's a brotherly love. It's a good balance to our courage and resolution and our boldness. As we go forth in power. It is the idea of of goodwill and benevolence to those that are around us. Scripture tells us that it's easy for us to love and care for people that love and care for us. It's easy for me to love my wife because she does such a good job of loving me. I am not a skilled ironer. These khakis and and shirt did not iron themselves this morning. My lovely wife set her alarm and served me and loved me by ironing these pants and this shirt. It is easy for me to love my wife when she honors and loves me. But it's those people that are rude to us, those people that are unkind to us, those people that dismiss us, the people that put us down for our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It is difficult for us to encounter them with the love of Christ. Scripture tells us that people will know that we are disciples if, with the love that we have. 
for one another. Some people are really difficult for us to love. When I was growing up in Waukesha, Wisconsin at Prairie Elementary School, there was a young man by the name of Nick Martinez. And we were arch enemies. He wanted to be the catcher on our WPR Little League baseball team. But in all my gifting and athletic ability, I was the starting catcher. And that was the beginning of our rivalry. So in fifth grade and sixth grade, we never really got along. And in seventh grade, our, our rivalry came to a head. And I was walking in the hallway with my books in hand. And Nick Martinez came up from behind me and knocked those books out of my hand. And my books went flying and papers went scattering. And everybody laughed at me. Oh, look at that guy. He dropped his books. What a dweeb. It was hard and difficult for me to love Nick Martinez. And I can't really tell you that in my seventh grade self, I really had a lot of love for him. But everybody has a Nick Martinez in their life. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's your coworker. Maybe it's somebody in your family. Maybe you have an estranged relationship with somebody. The beauty of this, living with the Spirit in our life, is that we don't have to love those people in our own strength and in our own ability. The Holy Spirit who lives and dwells in us has given us the love and care that we can pass on to those people. Those Nick Martinez's who need to know the love of a risen Savior isn't going to find that love anywhere else but from those that follow after Christ. The world is not going to teach our Nick Martinez's about a Savior who went to the cross, who loves him so much that he took his sins upon himself. And that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day. The world is not going to teach those people that we have difficulty getting along with that message. But it is our call. It is the responsibility that God has put upon us to share the good news of his son with those that we don't get along with. And the only way that we're going to be able to do that, the only way we're going to be able to accomplish that is by the love that comes through us in the Spirit. Who is that difficult relationship for you? And are you ready to engage this person in a new and different way in 2015? So that they can see the love of Jesus Christ in your life in a new way. So that if you were to have that conversation with them, 
about our risen Savior, they'd be able to hear that from you because they see that in your life. And they see that in your relationship. Are we going to let the Holy Spirit and the love that He has given to us through His Spirit live and shine in our life? The idea of the love here is of goodwill and benevolence. Christ said, this is true religion, to take care of the widows and the orphans. Are we activating our faith to take care of those that are in need around us? We not just need to uh, take care of people with love for their spirit and their eternal heart. But we're also called to take care of their physical needs. And that's a hard thing to do. That's a hard call on our lives because we only have so many resources that are availed to us. And I have a wife and I have four kids and I understand how hard and how difficult it can be sometimes to make all the money fit and to go where they needs to be. But just because it's hard and just because it's difficult doesn't give us an excuse not to do it. May we show that outpouring of love to those that are around us, and even in a physical and a tangible way for them. Because we have been given the spirit of love. Finally, we see here that we have been given the spirit not of fear, but of power and love and of self-control. The idea of self-control is to be sober-minded, a moderation. We see this idea uh, in 1 Timothy 3, verse 2, in the qualifications for elder. They're called to be sober-minded, to be self-controlled. The idea here is someone whose life is balanced and under control, not captured by our feelings or circumstance. Self-control. We live in a day and age where self-control is not a mark of our culture anymore. Uh, Thursday night, we were uh, coming home from Menards, and uh, I emptied out the, the trunk of our van. And as I was uh, pulling out our bags, I heard a big acceleration and a car accident happened right behind me. And I turned around, and the car that had rear-ended continued to accelerate into the back of the car. And he uh, sped off and took and, and ran from the scene of the accident. And we could hear his wheels screeching and squealing as he continued down the road. When the police officer arrived at the scene of the accident, they told us that that same vehicle had caused 10 more car accidents that night.
the culture of which we live in is not a culture of self-control. Are we ex- experiencing and, and being different than the culture around us as we live self-controlled lives, sober-minded lives? Are we living in a way that is above reproach to those that are around us? I've taught the qualifications for elders to my youth group. None of them are going to be elders anytime soon. So why then would I be teaching the qualifications of elders to 14, 15, and 16-year-olds? Because I want to put in front of them principles of spiritual life that they should be striving for. I want to put before the young men of the church, this is what you should be striving to accomplish as you let the Spirit live in and through you. Ladies, even though these are qualifications for elders, this is still a lifestyle that you should be pursuing for in your life. This should be the type of man that you are looking to be your husband and the father of your children. So maybe you're here today and you're like, I'm never going to be an elder. That list isn't for me. But here we see that we are called to be self-controlled. And that we're not just called to it, but that the spirit that lives and dwells inside of us is going to help us live that self-controlled life. Recently, my wife and I went on a mission trip to Mexico where I I shared this uh, same passage with a group of people there. And a young man came up to me and got my email address after the message, and he shot me an email a week later saying that he was struggling with the sin in his life. And I talked to him about temptation and how Scripture tells us that we have never been tempted more than that we could bear or handle, and that we're always given a way to escape that temptation. And as temptation comes into our life, and it seems too big for us to handle, it's too strong for us to walk away from, guess what? It is too big for us to handle. It is too big for us to overcome. But it's not too big for the spirit that lives inside of us. And when we live our life according to the flesh, when we live our life according to what we want and what we desire and meeting our own carnal desires in our flesh, in that moment there is no way that we're going to be able to overcome that temptation. But the way out that each and every believer has been given is the self-control that comes according to the Spirit. That self-control to to get up off the couch, to put the computer away, to turn off the television, to stop that conversation, to walk away from that relationship, to bind our tongue, to close our mouth, to whatever the temptation for you that it might be, the Spirit has given us that self-control to walk away 
from that temptation. Why is it so important for us to live a self-controlled life? Because it's the self-controlled life that people will see and notice and see as different. Sometimes I challenge the students in our youth group, does your life look any different than your classmates? To the person you sit next to in math class that doesn't know Christ. Same question is for us. Does our life look any different than our neighbor's life who doesn't know the Lord? Does our life look any different than the person whose office is next to ours? Does our life look any different than the person who's down the assembly line from us? Does our life look any different than our unbelieving relatives? And giving an hour and a half on Sunday mornings to come to church doesn't really count. Are we living our life according to the Spirit? Are we ready to make an impact onto the lives of the people that are around us for Jesus Christ? 2014 is quickly coming to an end. There is three more days left in this year. Many times like this, we start to take inventory of the things that we've done and accomplished this year. And as you take a look back and as you reflect on the things that 2014 held for you, what have we done? What have we accomplished this year? Maybe, like us, you have a new home, and that's a a great thing. Maybe you have a new job. Maybe you've got a promotion at work. Maybe you have a, a new baby, a new child. Maybe this year hasn't been full of tangible blessings for you. Maybe it's been a difficult year. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe 2014 has been full of trials and tribulation for you. Whether this year has been full of blessings for you, whether this year has been full of trials for you, as we look back and reflect, what have we accomplished for Christ? I'm not a big New Year's resolution guy, because I'm, I'm the guy that will make them and last until about January 3rd. I'm going to work out every day. Until the 4th of January. But instead of making a resolution to living according to the Spirit, 
Let's just let him live and flow through our life. Let's let Racine think, what is happening and going on on the corner of Washington and Taylor? I don't know what's happening there, but something cool, something awesome, something life-changing is going on there. There's one thing that will stop that from happening, and that is fear. Don't let fear stop this church from doing awesome things for the Lord. Don't let fear, let Harbor Rock Church be just another building, be just another gathering of people. But let 2015 be a year where the Spirit does a great and mighty work in your midst and in this community so that God might be glorified through what you have done through His Spirit.